0: What is China learning from the Ukrainian-Russian War? What are the parallels between the Russian invasion and a hypothetical invasion of Taiwan by China's People's Liberation Army? And what should the United States do to prepare Taiwan for an invasion from China? Today we sit down with Lieutenant Colonel Grimont Lillery, retired United States Air Force Foreign Area Officer specializing in irregular warfare and missile defense, to talk about the parallels between Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the hypothetical scenario of an invasion of Taiwan by the People's Liberation Army. We talk about the case for the United States and its allies building a multi-layered missile defense system in Taiwan, which Lieutenant Colonel spoke to based on his experience working with missile defense systems in Israel. Lieutenant Colonel Leiter, thanks so much for coming on the
1: show today. Thank you, Gary. I, I'm happy to help out and I appreciate the opportunity to discuss this, these topics.
0: So at this point of the Ukraine war, it wouldn't be far-fetched to say that China, with its eyes on Taiwan, is closely studying the crisis on both Russia's execution of the attack and the world's response. Uh, tell us your reflections on this. So um, I just want to uh, make
1: sure that we frame the, the conflict uh, in its totality. Most people think conflict is just in a kinetic way, you know, where there's... Uh, shooting bombings, uh, tanks, all this. And this is true, but there's also the conflict, uh, the ideological conflict, the uh, the different dimensions, financial, financial warfare, let's say. So yes, the, the Chinese are looking at all these different dimensions. And they're looking also at not only what Russia is doing to Ukraine, but they're also looking at what um, the western countries and other countries in asia are reacting to what russia is doing and because they're also going to be looking at that as a as a challenge for them when if and when uh, they uh, attack taiwan so they kind of want to have a playbook for all all possibilities and russia is giving them a fantastic playbook uh as you see for example the the U.S. is uh, applying financial um, warfare, let's say, against the the Russians and the Russian uh, elite. And so China will have to consider that as a potential avenue that they'll have to mitigate when and if they go after Taiwan.
0: So from the financial aspect, what exactly is China learning from the sanctions on Russia? And are they starting to do something different uh, in your gauge? So, I believe uh, about uh,
1: 10, 15 years ago, the Russian economy um, was about 90% dependent on the U.S. dollar. Today, it's greatly reduced. So, and it's shifted a lot of its financial um, holdings into the, the Chinese uh, renminbi. So uh, China is also looking at this too, reducing its dollar uh, dollars, so that in case there are sanctions in the future, uh, it won't hurt them as much, so that's one that's one thing that the Russians have done to mitigate um, this problem, because obviously it was something that they considered uh, could happen. Um, but uh, honestly, I don't think that that is going to stop them from continuing what they're doing, uh, as we've seen in the past a lot of historical examples of uh, uh, sanctions. Uh, you know, the U.S. did um, strong sanctions against Libya. Uh, strong sanctions against Iran, um, but sanctions don't seem to stop uh, authoritarian or totalitarian regimes from doing what they want to do. We sanctioned the North Koreans for a long time and they've developed their own nuclear weapons.
0: So, what would China then learn from the military aspect of Russia's invasion of Ukraine if it were to pursue an invasion of Taiwan, which some say is closer to reality than ever? Yes.
1: So let's talk about the military dimension first, because that's probably what's most on people's minds. Um, so as you probably know, Taiwan is about 100 a, a miles away from uh, China, and, so, and it's surrounded by water. Ukraine is surrounded by Russia, except for the, the side of where Poland and, and uh, Romania, and I think Moldova uh, are uh, bordering it. Uh, at least on the on the friendly side, um, Taiwan doesn't have any countries connecting to it. It does have Japan in the north. so the first part of this planning would be to cut off Taiwan from any kind of support once an invasion starts. so they would want to dominate the sea lanes around Taiwan and basically prevent uh, do a almost a reverse blockade uh, prevent any um, navies or any aircraft from flying into uh, Taiwan, as we saw um, in the Ukraine, the Russians are trying to move into positions which will stop military aid, specifically, from getting to the Ukrainian military. So that's one of the dimensions that they're going to be looking at: is how the Russians are able to stop uh, the military aid from coming to, to into Ukraine. Now, obviously. The Russians were looking at military aid that was coming in before conflict occurred. And so they were calculating also, you know, what the effect of this aid would be. So in the case of Taiwan, the PLA would be very interested in, in understanding what kinds of weapons and other military aid would be coming in. And they would probably try to use a lot of propaganda, a lot of media warfare. Uh, to show their displeasure towards any kind of ramping up of military aid to Taiwan prior to a conflict. There's a lot of other things we can talk about. For example, Taiwan, you know, as a country is well-connected to the rest of the world. And so they would want to control, for example, any media coming out of Taiwan. Um, so they would probably be interested in shutting down any kind of access people have from Taiwan to the outside world. So that that could include shutting down, let's say, the underwater cables that connect Taiwan to the rest of the world. They would probably uh, want to jam or disrupt the satellites that Taiwan communicates with the rest of the world. Um, And so that way, they they control the story, um, just as the Russians are trying to control the story in Ukraine. Um, Although it's difficult for them because uh, people are using their cell phones and they're getting out, they're being able to make phone calls now. But again, the PLA would be very interested in, in shutting down uh, the communications, um, not only for the media, but also for, from the point of view of the military. They don't want the, the, the Taiwanese their military from being able to communicate. For example, they don't want to be able to readjust their, let's say there's invasion coming in the north or the south, and they, they would want to prevent the Taiwanese from knowing about something. So by shutting down communication, it also shuts down their, uh, the, the the military's ability to adapt to the situation. There will also, as you probably have read, there were missile strikes by the Russians into Ukraine. There were some long-range shots, and there were also some short-range uh, mis- missiles being used, and so um, they were used um, probably to target military command and control um, locations or uh, weapons. Uh, storage uh, locations so just as the russians have done that the pla will also have already have their targets of what they want to destroy and what things they don't want to destroy because just like the russians i don't think the russians want to do completely destroy the, the ukraine i think they want to um in my opinion they either want to uh, take it over which is less likely or they want to sue for, sue for peace in the sense they want to sue for a commitment by the Ukraine not, not to join NATO. Um, and so just like that, the PLA will also not want it to destroy everything in Taiwan. They will want to destroy only things that will prevent or, or uh, stop them um, from invading. So there are things that they won't destroy. For example, maybe they won't destroy an airport. Maybe they won't destroy a port. Maybe they won't destroy certain, certain important things. For example, they probably don't want to destroy the microprocessing chip plant, the S C M C U plant that's in Taiwan. So the, the PLA have, have already done this. They've already done the you know, call order battle and targeting the whole targeting system against um, Taiwan. Um, but what they'll look at in terms of the Ukraine is how successful uh, were the Russians and what did they miss and what, did they, what mistakes they did and what things they were successful at. Um, I think it's a parallel uh, analogy, because I don't think the the Russians want to destroy Ukraine. For example, there are are, uh, 17% of the population in Ukraine is Russian. That works a million plus, maybe almost 2 million uh, Russians that are in Ukraine. There are about half that of Ukrainians in Russia. And so... And also, Ukrainians and Russians are are both Slavs. And if you listen to a lot of the people um, observing the war who are Slavic, they they uh, are very disappointed in Putin because he's killing his own people. Um, and so, in the same sense, the PLA uh, view the Taiwanese as being part of China. That that's their perspective. Obviously, the Taiwanese don't believe that. And so, I don't think that they're going to try to decimate Taiwan, but they will, like I said, target the things that will affect them. For example, they will look to knock out the surface to air missiles that Taiwan has, both the Taiwanese indigenous surface to air missiles and the Patriot systems that. Taiwan has. Either destroy or degrade them to the point that they're not able to function. Interesting, if you noticed in Russia, the uh, Russian Air Force has not been very active over the Ukraine. They have thousands of aircraft that they could use, but they're not bombing um, like, a you know, World War II scenario where they're just uh, taking out and carpet bombing Ukraine. Because, like I said, they are interested in not doing that, they're trying to either take it over or sue for peace. So I think in the same way, the PRC or the CCP is going to look, take a look at Taiwan. They are going to uh, want the Taiwanese to give up. That's what they want. Uh, in this, in this case, so it's more severe than the Ukrainian case, but I, because I think that obviously the CCP just wants to take it. They don't want to sue for not joining, let's say uh, an alliance with the United States. They want to take that step and control it. So in addition to the, let's say the air side, PLA Navy will be looking to deal with the threat that the Taiwanese Navy poses towards them. For example, the Taiwanese have a few submarines and they're going to have a few more submarines in the next couple of years. And so um, they're going to be worried about their ships being sunk. Um, And so the Taiwanese have have a formidable a defense system that caused the PLA to lose in a lot of different areas. But what the advantage the PLA has is mass. They're able to have a huge number of forces to pull to accomplish their task. They're asking the Russians to give them probably. This is my supposition based on the joint statement on 4 February that uh, says that the um, PRC and and Russia are. are Basically, best friends forever, and that they will um, work in every way that they think is important to accomplish their their goals. And the Russians in that in that document said that they agree that Taiwan is not an independent country and that it should be part of China. And China in that document says basically that they think that NATO is a bad thing. And so, in effect, this is this was signed on the fourth of February. Um, three weeks basically before the attack on Ukraine. So the Chinese knew about what was gonna be happening. And I suspect, again, this is my personal opinion, is that the Chinese agreed to not only get information from the Russians, but they also are probably paying uh, for whatever costs that the Russians have agreed uh, to
0: do this activity, which is in their interest as well. So I wanna bring up uh, one of your publications at Taiwan uh, Global Taiwan Institute, and it says one way for the United States to proactively strengthen Taiwan's defense in response to this increasing aggression from the Chinese Communist Party is to build a layered air and missile defense system for Taiwan. Uh, give us an idea of what this would look like. Missile defense
1: requires uh, different types of defending missiles based on the threat. I'll use Israel as an example because they have the most advanced a missile defense system in the world, even much more sophisticated than the United States as a nation. So the short-range rockets, let's say up to uh, 40 kilometers or about uh, 24, 25 miles, require uh, a much smaller and uh, rapid response because the range is short and you don't have much time to deal with it. There are, uh, so those are short-range. Taiwan won't be affected by short-range rockets until the PLA land in Taiwan and set up their own missiles and rockets to be used on Taiwan. So they will need it if and when the PLA land into land on Taiwan because they'll be using rockets and missiles uh, for a variety of reasons. But the initial part of the, of the attack the missiles will be coming from mainland China or from ships at sea or from airplanes firing rockets and missiles. So they will need different types based on how the, the, uh, the ballistic trajectory of the missiles are. Now you also know that China is developing cruise missiles. so they don't go ballistically. they move they maneuver uh, maneuver. so they'll also have to have a capability to take out maneuvering targets. So this becomes very complicated very quickly, okay? So right now, Taiwan has its own uh, missile defense system, I think it's Skylark, and also Patriots. So those are mainly point defense, and they're mainly designed for longer range missiles, which is perfect for the initial threat, let's say shot from uh, uh, mainland China. Um, But they will also need Um, shorter range uh, missile defense systems and longer range ones Um, because uh, these systems are only for point defense so mainly let's say uh, a city or a base that's what they protect they don't protect all the entire country this is where my suggestion comes in to augment the current capabilities that taiwan has they need a much longer range missile for the long, very long range missiles that will be fired from uh, mainland China. So these systems the US has are, are Aegis um, and also uh, THAAD. Um, Aegis is on ships and THAAD is the army system. And so my recommendation would be for, um, at some point in the future, hopefully sooner than later, the US would set up um, uh, Aegis systems Uh, near the shore of Taiwan, protect uh, Taiwan from a missile attack. And this would have a much broader coverage of Taiwan than the current systems of Patriot and uh, Taiwanese indigenous systems. For example, if there was a a long-range missile that was targeting some place in Taiwan that that didn't have the coverage that Patriot had, this missile could intercept it, it, especially if it was an important uh, target, let's say a city. Uh, because you can't protect every place everywhere uh, with all these uh, systems that are currently in Taiwan, um, so the Aegis and the THAAD would give them the ability to defend. Let's say places that uh, are not necessarily defended, or let's say they are defended, but they run out of missiles. And so, as a backup to those systems, um, Aegis and THAAD could also. Uh, support um, now, but in order to do all this, they need to be connected to the Taiwanese military, and so and they need to train, and they need to practice, and they need to make sure they know the capabilities of all the systems and work together. So that would be sort of an initial a phase. Now, this this phase uh, of missile defense is probably, in my opinion, the least aggressive act that the U.S. could do because it's defense, missile defense. It doesn't attack anything uh, China. It's only attacking things that are coming from China. And so we deployed THAAD system to South Korea. The CCP uh, screamed and yelled, complained. Um, they made South Korea uh, make some compromises. Um, but in the end, the THAAD system is still in South Korea. That's the bottom line, in my opinion. So Aegis is also going to be uh, in uh, Guam. Unfortunately, Guam is too far away for those missile defense systems to protect Taiwan. These systems have to be uh, near or are on Taiwan. Um, so that's that's an initial uh, concept that I would recommend. Um, the other stuff, um, I think there are plenty of military planners that, that probably have thought of other, other ideas. But that's an initial step that I think is probably the smartest thing to do. And it also sends a message to the CCP that the U.S. is, is going to protect Taiwan. And so that decision has to be made. That, that has to be made. And um, the problem with the ambiguity of the um, Taiwan Relations Act is that that ambiguity is still there. And we could perhaps even do the deployment without even saying we're going to... Protect Taiwan. We can say we're deploying our our ship off the coast of Taiwan, and that's where it's going to stay. We don't have to say what its purpose is. We can just do it. So,
0: you know, there are a lot of ways of doing things. Uh, so, last question here: You published an article at the Jewish Policy Center, which you ask, in which you ask, if Hong Kong was for breakfast, Taiwan is for lunch, then what's for dinner? Tell us what you mean by this. So, I think that the encroachment uh, that the PLA
1: specifically, and also the CCP, they're doing also commercial activity. It's all part of Taiwan and the South China Sea. You see, the Communist Party has this map of the South China Sea. It's called a dashed line, nine or 11 dash line concept. And they have a lot of stories behind it, you know, how it justifies them to claim all this, this territory, which is um, not true, but they will insist that it is. Anyway, this nine-dash line includes Taiwan. So getting back to the quote that you've said regarding the article I wrote, uh, what my argument was is that Taiwan, uh, whether it's Taiwan uh, for dinner or the South China Sea, they're all part of the same project. So getting back to Lenin, they're going to push. They're going to continue to push uh, anywhere they can. And one area that they're pushing and they're being successful at is in the South China Sea. Uh now I don't know if you um have seen these these islands these isl- islets you know basically sandbars in the middle of of the uh, South China Sea but the, the CCP has claimed these these sandbars and slowly they are building up their military there they have full up military bases with uh landing strips uh docking docks for for ships um, they have radar for their, for controlling the airspace. Um, they haven't declared an air defense identification zone in the, in the South China Sea, but I will bet you they will. And when they do that, they'll be in a position of strength because they've got it covered. They've got Hainan Island in the north, and they've got their base, their military bases in the rest of the South China Sea. I don't know if I answered your question, but I just wanted to first frame it as they are going to continue to push no matter what. Now, uh, um, I think you, you mentioned the shoal that they took over, uh, that's part of the Philippines. Um, so they, they took it over the Philippine, the Philippine government complained about it. Uh, it went to the UN, um, court and the UN court said that the Philippine government is correct, that it's not, should not be part of China. And the Chinese are still there and they still use it. They haven't, the one thing that they've stopped, going back to Lenin's quote, they stopped because President Obama in 2012 asked them not to develop it, and so they haven't. But that doesn't mean they won't. And so it's possible that during this current administration, the Biden administration, that they might start doing something on that shoal. And, you know, just because they promised President Obama not to expand doesn't mean that they have to follow through, as we saw with the Russians, with Ukraine. Just because a communist country promises something doesn't mean it's going to happen. So they will continue to push, they will continue to expand, they will continue to harass uh, ships. Uh, One of the things that they are doing is, uh, is because they claim this huge area, they are interdicting any country specifically Vietnam, Philippines, Malaysia, all these countries that have EEZ, exclusive economic zone claim on the the sea, they are harassing these ships and they're preventing them from doing any drilling, for example. They only allow drilling if they are part of the company. So um, uh, these countries, okay, the Philippines, Vietnam, Malaysia, also Brunei, they they are all suffering from the pressure that that the CCP is applying to them whether it's through their military or through their economic pressure. The the CCP, uh, I've heard statements from them saying that that the South China Sea is like their Persian Gulf. So they envision controlling this area and exploiting it to the max. Uh, And again, if, if somebody doesn't stop them, they're going to continue to push and push and push until they find steel. That's the way they're operating. They're following
0: Lenin's concept. Lieutenant Colonel Lattery, thanks so much for coming on the show today.